Satnam. I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I are appreciative of your vital role on this planet in an ever-growing global community. For it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusingh.com. Bless you. Satnam. I am not going to turn off my vocal mic. I'm just going to leave it on. So there will be a little bit of reverb, but I've moved it away so it's not going to be distracting. And we're going to chant more, so I'll leave everything available. But I want to talk to you a little bit about the biology of sound. Kundalini Yoga uses a tremendous amount of sound. It's called Shabad in Sanskrit. Shabad means the sounds of wisdom, the sounds that move us, the sounds that make us healthier, that make us more joyful, that cause us to feel like we're connected. And Sounds can be in any language. There's a, a mantra that we use a lot of, and it's this right here. It's a very much of an affirmation. And it goes, To be confident that the infinite will take care of it. We're so fortunate. Uh -huh. To be confident that the infinite will take care of it. We're so fortunate. Uh -huh. This is a mantra that we teach a lot to children. Because if you can get a child who is built to have tremendous faith and trust, but is engaging an adult generation, not necessarily in the parents or the, or the surrounding family, but in the world at large, that is very much moved away from faith and trust, very logical, very pragmatic. And in pragmatism, there's oftentimes no room. They call faith and trust woo-woo. Yeah. But if you can engage the child in you or the child outside of you with greater faith and trust, then what happens in your nervous system is that instead of engaging the sympathetic nervous system, and sympathetic means just that, sympathy means that you respond to the activity of another, right? You, sympathy. Empathy is that you feel the activity of another. But sympathy is that you respond to the activity of another. So the sympathetic nervous system is the nervous system of response. Stimulation, response. The parasympathetic nervous system 
That's the nervous system of higher view, like having the ability to rise above the situation, to see all of its combinations and permutations and inclinations and inferences, everything about a circumstance that you may be facing in life. In the sympathetic nervous system, you just respond to it. Good or bad or indifferent, your response is your response. Through the parasympathetic nervous system, your response is based on a greater amount of information. And the more information that you have, the more wise, the more intelligent your response in life is. And so what sound and mantra in Kundalini Yoga do is that they enable us through the sounds that we can understand intellectually, like this, or the sounds that we may not be able to understand intellectually, like this, but also have the same effect on us physiologically, anatomically, biologically. And so whether a mantra is understandable and interpretable is not so important. What is important is that you put your whole body into the mantra, much like an opera singer puts their whole body into singing. Most people, when they sing, they put their throat. But trained singers get their entire body right down to the bottom of their feet. And they feel that sound coming up through the body. That's what chanting is. It's also what a sound bath is. And I'll play a guided meditation. I'll, I'll play a sound bath for you later with some guidance through my voice so that you can experience the sounds of bells and gongs and Tibetan bowls and all of those things as they affect the fabric and the tissue of your body. So back to our point. When you get your whole body involved, what ends up happening is that you get your, here, let me get it so that it's squared away to the camera. You get your stance, your connection, your communication, your giving and receiving, your trust and faith, your instinctual behavior, and your analysis. You get it all involved. Gut brain, pelvis, legs, pelvis, gut brain, diaphragm, heart brain, the cervical vertebra, the reticular formation, right, right there, and the head brain. Medical science is calling it multi-braining or m-braining for short because they're discovering that we have a lot of neurology in the gut. We have a lot of neurology in the heart. And we have the most neurology in the head because we have been developing the head brain now consistently for about 100 and, 
25,000 years specifically in the animal, evolutionary style. But the original brain of most animals is the gut brain because they have that sense. Have you ever noticed that your animals, your cat or your dog, they can know if a food has value for them or doesn't without even taking a bite out of it and experiencing it. Because the animals still have maintained this incredible gut-brain mechanism. It was called the botanical sense back tens of thousands of years ago before we started to cultivate our own food. And when we were hunters and gatherers, and primarily gatherers, because we're primarily herbivores, this gut brain was teaching us with that botanical sense of whether or not a food was medicinal, pathological, or nutritional, whether it was medicine, poison, or food. By using sound and mantra, we are reactivating the gut brain. We are reactivating its relationship with the pelvis. We are reactivating that relationship with our legs, which is our standard, the standard on which we're standing. And all of these things ultimately have a huge effect upon the head brain and all of its attitudes. So just to dive a little deeper into this, we have the gut brain is very much a three-dimensional event, which means that it connects to the space and is nourished by that connection. Now that space can be food, or that space can be a relationship, or that space can be opposition. All of these components are part of that space through which we can gather nutrition. And when we use sound and mantra, and we chant right there from the bottom of our being, we begin to activate that gut brain great, to a greater degree so that the space around us becomes more valuable to us. Even if the space around us is filled with adversity, is filled with adversaries. Just like in sailing, when the wind is against you, your progress will be determined by your awareness of the angles that you should use in tacking against the wind. In a human environment, when the environment appears to be against you, your success in progress within that environment will be determined by how tactfully you tack at the angles so that you use the opposition as energy rather than as a blockage. And that is the nature of the gut brain and why we chant using the belly, using the breath, using the navel point, in and out and in and out. 
And as we chant, we move this breath and we move this energy field. The heart brain is a four-dimensional, which means fourth dimension is time, timing, and rhythm. The rhythm of the heart, the timing of the heart, is all about effort to give. The heart pumps the blood into the body. Complete relaxation to receive. So the heart pumps the blood into the body and then must completely relax to receive the blood back from the body. Pump and receive. Give and receive. So the heart brain is all about giving and then allowing yourself to receive. The lungs are the same. The alveoli sacs, which make up the interior of the lungs, are formed so small, but they have this spring-type cartilage mechanism that they are naturally full. Otherwise, your lungs would collapse every time you, you, you became unconscious or sleeping. And so the lungs are naturally full and you have to create effort to exhale and then relaxation to inhale. And that's one of the things that we teach in Kundalini Yoga is the proper way of breathing, which is a, course, a part of a course in all forms of yoga. We really concentrate on that in Kundalini Yoga. And so this fourth dimensional heart is about serving or giving and receiving or deserving. So when you feel like you're not, you're not getting what you deserve, you have to look at, what am I giving? Because whatever you give is going to come back to you. And so we always look at, how can the heart brain cause me to become more successful in my life of giving and receiving and building anything is a matter of giving and receiving. And then we have the head brain. And the head brain is very two-dimensional. It's yes, no, right, wrong, this, that, if this, then that, left, right, up, down. It's a decision maker. And the decisions are based on the binary nature of matter, which means the twofold nature of matter. Now, for most people, the head brain is the brain that they dominate their lives with, which means their lives are being dominated by a two dimensional process. Computers are binary zeros and ones. A computer programmer com programs the if this, then that. Very two-dimensional. And so they think that computers are becoming more intelligent. They're not becoming more intelligent, they're just becoming faster. Because computers don't have the advent of also the emotional body, which can disturb the way in which these two-dimensional decisions are being formed. 
But if we combine all of these, which is why we chant with our full body, then what ends up happening is we end up having the combination of the three-dimensional space and connection with nourishment. The fourth dimension of timing and rhythm and being in the moment and being able to see future moments. And the head brain in its analytics, which are very much about if this, then that, yes, no, right, wrong, good, bad. It's necessary. All three brains are necessary. And what chanting does is chanting tends to combine all three most specifically when you don't understand what you're chanting. So when we're using mantras that are foreign languages, like odd such to God such heavy such nanakosi be such pritvi hey akash hey shanti shanti hey akyam kal hey you know, all of these words, you know, you're just, blah, 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 you're just blabbering them, right? But they work in the same way that pure sound works. I'll just turn it on for a moment here. Pure sound works in that very same way. It affects you without the interference of the intellect. And that is what mantras for which we don't know what they mean, that is how they can affect us, is that they still have their activity. As I said, the vowels make the sound and the consonant directs the sound. Now a mantra that goes along with this is ma, sa, which as I said before is the sound of breath, and ya, ya, opens up the head brain. Yah, it's like yes. Yes, opens up the head brain. That's why the word was formed like that. Ni, no, not. These are closing down, not going to listen, not going to absorb. Yah, yeah, yay, yes. These are brain, head brain opening sounds. And then ho, Ho is the sound of the crown. Ho, ho, ho. And then wa is the sound of the universal mind, as I mentioned to you before. So let's go down inside one more layer. What we have at the very root of our body very much affected by sound is we've got what is called the pelvic. This is the pelvis and this is the tailbone and this is the spine starting up. And these nerves that you see feeding into that, that is what is known as the sacral sympathetic parasympathetic pelvic autonomic plexus. But it's also in the Vedic sciences known as the kundalini plexus because this is the mechanism of the kundalini that starts to move the energy up through the spine. This is an actual medical graphic of that area. Now, when that energy starts to move up through the spine, you're chanting, you're doing the various components, 
Here it is right here in, in green, in this cycle in green. As you can see, it begins to move up. It moves up through the gut brain, the diaphragm, the heart brain, and on up into the head brain. And then it has to come back down because what goes up must come down. And there's a cycle, there's an orbit. And that orbit is what is called the Kundalini micro-orbit. And the way it comes down is through the vagus nerve, which is the largest nerve in what I was mentioning a moment ago, the parasympathetic system. And so all of a sudden you start to activate this Kundalini plexus with your sound and your mantra and all of what you might be doing. You're doing it in also in the 300-hour course that you're taking. It all starts to operate in the same way. And then from that ignition, you begin to move this energy up through the spine, back down, up through the spine, back down, up through the spine, back down. And then it comes to what we're going to look at in just a moment. But before that, let's take this mantra that I showed you. Now for that part of you that needs to know the meaning, the meaning of this mantra, Hummy Hum Brahmham, is what is to be already is. And how is that explained? The universe is finite, but the omniverse, meaning the space beyond the universe, has to be infinite because otherwise it would have an ending. But there would have to be something on the other side of the ending. And so, Hamiham Brahmham is acknowledging this incredible infinity. Well, that infinity is not only in space, but because in physics they understand that time is just space moving through a point of perception, and that which is already passed through that point of perception, which maybe is your consciousness, is called the past because it has passed through. And that which has not yet begun to pass through is called the future. So you have the present moment, you have the past as it passes through, and you have the future that has not yet passed through that present moment. But look at the stick. The past and the present and the future all exist. And this is the nature of that quantum attitude towards infinity. And that is what the yogis thousands of years ago were saying when they would say, Hami Ham Brahm Ham, that which is to be already is. That which I am to be, I already am. Now, if that's true, which it, of course, has to be by logic, if that's true, then what we're looking at here is we're looking at 
if you can set yourself in the proper attitude, in the proper angle, then that which is ultimately going to be is going to take place in your life. And that means that what you dream of, you can manifest. You just have to maintain your sincerity. You just have to maintain your clarity. You have to maintain your inspiration, which simply means to take spirit in. You have to maintain your enthusiasm. Enthusiasm means entheos, means that you take in that sensation of whatever you want to compare it to, God. Theos means God, means cosmos, means everything. So hamiham brahmham simply means acknowledging the way of the infinite omniverse. And so let's, let's chant this in a very simple way. But let's chant it with all of our being. Let's chant it with whole body. In addition to the chanting, what I would like you to do with your hands is I would like you to take your fingertips and just gently tap on your sternum. Because what you do when you tap on your sternum is you turn, stimulate, and turn on that vagus nerve, which is the return. And when you stimulate that, it helps to build the ignition of the kundalini rising. So that orbit begins to happen. When we vibrate our whole body in the process, we activate that system, that subtle system of chakras. And when we activate that subtle system of chakras, all of our glands and organs prosper from it because every one of our chakras is connected to a particular gland and organ. It is literally the wireless system that allows the cosmic, pros the cosmic plasma and prana to be focused into particular parts of the body from the root all the way up to the crown and then in the auric field, which is that eighth chakra. And when we get our whole body resonating, the reason that we start to feel light and lightness is because we begin to equalize our body, our physiology, our emotion, our mental, we begin to equalize that resonance with the universe because the universe is also a system of chakras. I'm not going to go too deeply into it, but I'll show you a graphic that is an example of how we can become resonant with the universe itself. Now this here is typical 
astronomy showing that funnel nature of the universe. The universe has the universal sun at the bottom, which is what sucked all of this fabric of space-time and all of these stars and galaxies and planetary systems that are in the universe. This here is the violet rim or sometimes called the violet flame. And it's exactly the same as the chakra system in our body. So we are made in the image of the universe. Now, the planet Earth is at the area of the chakra system in the universe that is right between the navel chakra and the heart chakra, right there at the solar plexus. That's where the Milky Way galaxy exists. That's where the planet Earth exists in this particular planetary system. When you use mantra, when you use sound, when you develop this resonance so that you're resonating with the universe at large, you still encounter challenges, you still encounter problems, but instead of reacting to them with the sympathetic nervous system, your resonance rises above the situation in order to observe the situation. You don't bury your head in the sand. You don't ignore the situation. You rise above where you can access that universal mind which has all of the information that contains the solutions for the moment. Because as Hummy Hum says, what is to be already is. So if it already is, it means that there is a solution already available. If you can just set yourself up in a way in which you can access that solution and there is a good way of doing that by using sound and mantra. Also a good way of doing that is by all of the asanas and the routines that you go through in the yoga that you're learning in this 300-hour course. That is also helping your body to become resonant with the universal body. And so we use sound and we use mantra to enable us to vibrate in an equilibrium with this universe so that we can tune into that hummy hum brahm hum and be aware of what is to come. If it already is, if what is to be already is the meaning of that mantra, then of course it has to be because that's the nature of infinity and eternity, then how can we gain access to that future information? In Sanskrit it's called bhavishya. Bhavishya means a history of the future. Great twist of words, huh? Great play of words. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a word enthusiast. So the idea that you can find the history of the future as if it's already taken place and then determine what are the different pathways that I can go down and what are the results of each one of those pathways? Now, what you're looking at is a highly successful, highly articulate life. Bless you for joining us. 
Visit gurusingh.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more.